The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome everyone to the Intentional Spirit Hour, an hour that we entertain, that we anticipate, that we energize ourselves with tools that are brought to us by authors, uh, by therapists, by people that venture all over the world and dig deeply into the aspects of one's soul call and soul path in order that we can be uh, living a life with intention and a life on purpose. And I'm excited today that my guest is uh, an esteemed colleague, Reverend Lauren McLaughlin. She is also as well known as the author of Go to Elf. Lauren, welcome to our show today. Glad to be here, Temple. Talk about one of my favorite subjects. <laughs> I had a feeling it probably was one of your favorite subjects because it's such a profound uh, book. And it just, you've gotten comments from people all over the world, really. And I love the idea of what ELF uh, really represents is the eternal life force. Wow. If we could simply live from a larger premise of God and a greater reality of dreaming, um, what a life, you know, so many people uh, would have. Um, how did you become an intentional spirit? Uh, part of, did you wake up that way as a child or have you had some stories in your life, some sacred stories that have defined and developed you? Well, uh, that's a big answer. I'm sure all of us had the intention when we came onto the planet to remember that we were spiritual beings. But I would have to say the early part of my life, that was not part of my thinking. Or, uh, In fact, I was very uh, standoffish about anything that had to do with God in this great, big, huge entity in the sky. I was probably in my 30s driving my car somewhere when a voice over the radio said, and I have no idea who it was, uh, you really have within you everything that God has. You're a part of God and you think and feel and behave just like God does. And I turned that blasphemous soul off as fast as I possibly could and sped down the highway thinking the nerve of that person (laughs) never left my consciousness after that. (laughs) It was like, you know, a hammer. And then things began to happen that led me into a greater understanding of of the two sides of me or the one one entity of me that has two aspects. And it, it just evolved from that point on. I started 
doing some metaphysics. I took a, There was a wonderful metaphysical teacher who was not connected to any church in St. Petersburg, Florida. Her name was Geneva Day. And a friend of mine took me to her classes, and I went over and over again. And in the audience, most of the people attended a unity church. And so one Sunday, I got up and got dressed and went to First Unity, and one of the uh, greeters was someone from that class, so I felt somewhat welcome. And I kept going back. It was a great curiosity to me. I couldn't figure out how everybody thought. They didn't think like I did, but they were interesting. So (laughs) I kept going, and eventually, you know, I, I really came to teach the same concepts myself. But it was an unfolding process, and I'd say for me it began at maybe 35 or 36 years old. That's absolutely fascinating how the voice came through the radio. It is incredible how we, you know, life, that greater calling within us does get our attention. (laughs) I can only imagine, you know, seeing you going down the car, you know, I mean, going down the road in the car and all of a sudden it's like you have everything that you need. You're equal to, you know, the energy of the universe. That must have, I can imagine your hair lifting off your head just a bit on that one. But it is so profound because when we hear words that really resonate with our soul, um, they integrate and, and we never go back, you know, to, to where we once thought we were that, that old way of uh, being and old way of knowing. We have a lot of, I never went back and as it usually happens to people, it, then this information came from all directions, from everything I read, everything I saw, people I ran into. Uh, you know, it just seemed to be everywhere. And I thought, goodness, how could I have missed all this all this time? But I did. <laughs> I I understand, and I'm sure that our audience will agree. Many of us were, you know, right there with you, you know, um, from other different angles. or Though our stories may be just a little bit different, um, they are very similar in, in the way that we've sought to become more awake and to be reborn many times. Well, your book has um, such potential in playing a part in getting people to see the mystery of God and and how the universe works, always for us, never against us. How did the idea of the book come about? Was that a, another radio adventure for you, or did you uh, did you <laughs> did it come to you in meditation? Um, no, there's a, the story really behind the the premise of the book is that when I was a young minister, I took a seminar offered at one of our regional conferences by Greg Lavoie, the author of the book Callings. And I know you've had Greg as a guest at First Unity. I saw him when he spoke there also. And his seminar is something like a deep soul writing experience where he asks a question and you write your answer and then he asks the next question and it takes you through a process to discover what your calling is. A little sidebar here was I was a new minister at the age, I I was ordained at the age of 57, so I was a pretty grown-up lady, and I thought I certainly knew all there was to know about callings. I had left my business and my home and everything to go to seminary, and I certainly knew about being called. Well, I found out it had nothing to do with that, (laughs) that my (laughs) calling, as he was talking about, was what I came on the planet to do, what was my Uh, purpose for existence, perhaps, it would be a better way of doing it. And that came very clear to me at the end of that seminar that my job here on planet Earth 
was and is to remind people that God loves them and at every turn. So I took that very seriously, and I, I put it in every Sunday talk I gave. I ended my talks with God loves you, and so do I. I ended my emails with it, my letters with it, and my telephone message with it. And what surprised me was that people would argue back, particularly with the answering machine. <laughs> they, would say, they would say, oh, I don't think he does, or wouldn't it be wonderful if he did, or your mouth to God's ear, and they're talking into this machine, you know, arguing with this message. So I thought, well, you know, my own experience does tell me that many people, many people have a perfectly good relationship with the God of their being, and I, I envy them because uh, I know so many who don't. But the others were disappointed at some time in life by either something God did do that they didn't want done or something God didn't do that they did want done, and in that incident for them, whatever it was, the trust was broken. So they can believe that they love God, but they have trouble believing that God loves them. So through my teaching all these years, I have worked with concepts and exercises and plans to help people get acquainted with their own spiritual connection. And I tried writing, finally, a couple of self-help books, I thought, and I would get to three or four chapters and think, you know, this has been said a hundred times a hundred ways, and I realize my way is a little different, but how different is it? And then one day I was teaching a class and I heard myself say, you know, the greatest teachers on the planet were storytellers. And the the words, are you listening, Lauren, <laughs> you know, came pretty clear in my mind, so I decided to write this connecting process with your spiritual self into the form of what started out as a novel and is now a a story or a fable or whatever of two men who came out of some pretty rough childhoods and uh, didn't believe in God, church, religion, never went anywhere near it, but seemed to know that something was missing in their life and uh, they realized at a approaching the age of 40, that they did have a mystical childhood experience that let them know they were not alone. So then the book tells their story, and the reader gets to see these spiritual concepts presented in the lives of other people so that they're observing and not, as in a self-help book, being told, do this, do that, do the next thing. They're just reading a rather pleasant story. Uh, and watching these things unfold for other folks. Then, of course, they somewhere along the line, they start to use the tools themselves, hopefully, and, and have. I mean, I've had any number of people tell me one of the more interesting was a woman who fell in, back in love with her husband as she read through this sort of romantic part of the novel. She, they were estranged. They'd been married 33 years. They reconciled, and they came down to Florida for me to remarry them on their 34th anniversary. Oh, my so, gosh. That's worth yeah. writing a book right there. Yeah, oh, it? And, and it was the sweetest ceremony about in the sunset down on the beach. And they were staying at a hotel, and we uh, did the ceremony just outside the motel without thinking that everybody in the motel would come down at sunset to see the sunset. So they had a huge audience for this wedding. Had <laughs> never seen them before or since, but were part of their fun experience. So it was just a great time. And there are lots of stories like that of people who've come out of depression or 
or gotten over their own childhood hurts by realizing that they are not by themselves uh, and that the concepts in the book apply to them as well as to the characters in the story. So that's how the book came about. (laughs) That's so beautiful. Well, I know that, you know, one of the things as active ministers that we um, put into language uh, a lot is the to manifest in our lives and um, and the ab- abundant thinking in which a person can come to and from, not a place of, I don't have enough, but if it's mine to be, it shall be, and that manifesting process. I have so many conversations with people about that, and, and just like you're saying, um, often in our humanity, as much as we want to change, uh, we sure uh, entertain ourselves by um, wanting to hold on to our positions, <laughs> even when it's not working. We still want to, you know, justify and argue with it a little bit. But I, I know that in your book you talk about um, the elf is giving us the wisdom of a manifestation process. It's as easy as ABC. What? What's the ABC, or how can you give us some teasers about that? <laughs> well, let me tell you a little bit about the elf first, so it makes sense to you. The the I I I uh, when I was getting these arguments on the telephone, I said to I went into meditation and said to God, should I be giving this message to everybody? It seems to upset people. Uh, you know, should I tone it down a little bit? And the message I got was find another name for me. So I got to thinking what. God meant to me, and eternal life came right to mind. And I started talking to God as eternal life, but it didn't have any energy. And when I talked to my husband, John, who's also a minister about it, he said, yeah, the, the, what, what it always means, what God means to me is the force, like in Star Wars, you know, the force is with you. And as soon as I said eternal life force, the ELF came forth, and I realized it's a perfect acronym because the elf is in yourself, myself, himself, herself, themselves. It's it's right embedded in us. The God is in us just the way that guy on the radio said all those years before. So that was why I named it that. This I have this planned as a three-part series, this book being the first one. And this one is the primer, showing that life doesn't have to be so hard is the purpose of this book. And that's why I'm saying the manifestation process is as easy as ABC. It's ask, believe, and collect. Now, learning to believe back in that God that let us down at one time or another and where the trust is broken is part of the process of what the book teaches. The more you turn yourself over to that source, the more you get out of the way, one of the examples the elf uses in telling Tony how it doesn't do any good once you ask for something to nag God a lot about it is he said, you know, you have a cat. And Tony's cat's name is Trainwreck. And he said, when Trainwreck goes, you go out to fix Trainwreck's breakfast, he winds around in your legs. He keeps you from getting to the refrigerator. He it makes it hard for you. If he'd just go sit in the corner, you could feed him twice as fast. But, and he said, I always think of you all. Why do you run around between my legs and, you know, peck at me? I've told you I'll give you what you want. Now just believe it. And I've shown you time and time again, just like you've shown Trainwreck every morning for years. And he still continues to do the same thing to make it hard for you to do it. So if you would just get out of the way, I will give you what you want. And those are the kinds of 
examples in the book. Uh, another one that a friend of mine said turned things around for her was that when you go into a restaurant and order a meal, you tell the waiter what you want. You don't then go into the kitchen and stand over the cook and say, I think you should raise the heater, lower the heater, add a little more cream or whatever. You wait till your meal is served. And if you'll just give the eternal life force, the creator and sustainer of all life, a chance when you ask for something and be prepared to collect it because that's another part. Very often we say, oh, I want this, but I don't want it from that person or that source or at this time or whatever. You know, if you ask for it, be prepared to collect it. So the ABC is ask, believe, collect. And it really is very, very simple. Getting out of the way and letting it happen is where we get ourselves into trouble. We tend sometimes to just want to make things a little bit more complicated than they need to be, right? <laughs> a whole lot more complicated than they need. <laughs> well, I love those two examples, and um, I'm I am so impressed with this book because I I feel the same way, um, and I feel that that's the the brilliance of of Jesus and other master teachers on the planet uh, that have lived in their humanity uh, with a spirit led life is they were great storytellers, and it's just so soothing to our soul uh, when we hear those stories because they make perfect sense to us um, in every way. I mean, there's not a person out there that can't relate to what a demanding cat can be when they want to be fed. <laughs> well, I guess dogs, too. I don't have any dogs. Do your dogs tease you until they get fed? Oh, I have please. Cats, so. Yeah, it's, it's all about them. It's all about them. And they're not Leos, so that's another topic for another time. But I just want to remind everybody that I'm talking today with Reverend Lauren McLaughlin. She is the author of Go to Elf. And you can go and visit her website during break and find out more and also uh, purchase the book. It's Go to Elf. And we'll be right back after we take this short break. Thank you so much for everybody and all that you are in being with us today. Thank you. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. Hi, this is Ellen Devonport. The Five Principles was my first book, and here's what I've learned as an author. It's nice to sell a lot of books, but it's truly gratifying to know the book is being read, used, and studied in churches and small groups in the U.S. and beyond. And I get a real kick out of hearing that someone gave The Five Principles to friends who aren't in unity. Because The Five Principles are universal spiritual laws. They operate in everyone's life, whether they know it or not. They've been discovered and rediscovered by spiritual masters for thousands of years. God is all there is. We are expressions of God. We create our experience with the power of our thoughts. We align ourselves with the well-being of the universe through prayer and meditation. And we live the truth we know every day in every decision. 
Just five principles. They cover it all. Buy the book at unity.org. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. As you know, I'm talking today with author of the book, Go to Elf, Reverend Laura McLaughlin. And we are talking about Elf being an eternal life force, another name for God. And through storytelling of this book, how many people's lives are touched and changed because they have an aha or an awareness, a greater connection with source, or knowing that life is here for us to enjoy and to experience greatness and manifest. We had mentioned a little bit about that before we went to break. Uh, Lauren, one of the things that you know, people often ask us as as ministers is, you know, I want to live a life on purpose, but how do I live a life in purpose? And um, how do I set goals for that? I know that in the book, uh, you make a reference to life design. Uh, what is the difference with a life design or a goal setting, or is there a difference? Well, life design is just a little four-step process to really figure out if you want something. You know, very often we think we want something. We wanted it at 20. We still think we wanted it at 40. It's on our bucket list. But if we get right down to it, do we still really want it? And if so, do we want it that way? Uh, do we want a particular job? Do we want a particular car? Do we want a particular relationship? So in life design, you ask yourself, or you, it's a four-step process. You write down, I really want, you know, I really want the, to get a new job with General Electric. <laughs> and then the next question is, why do I want a job with General Electric? And you should be able to knock off 15 reasons right off the bat. I mean, they should just flow off your pen. If you really want something, it's going to come pretty freely. A lot of reasons to want something, a new dog, Mm -hmm. a new job, a new car. If there aren't enough reasons, you probably don't want it. You can almost stop the process right there. It's an old thought and it doesn't hold anymore. If the numbers of whys are 
easy for you to come up with. You really, really want it. The third question is, how will I feel when I get it? Because you might want a new car. You might want a new Porsche, for instance. But when you get it, will you worry about how much the gas mileage is, how big the payment is? What are the things that would keep you from getting it because you wouldn't feel right about it? Or do you feel exhilarated seeing yourself driving down in the road in it, taking the convertible top down, picking up a, a date, you know, whatever it is. It's, it's a, what, what the good feelings and the bad feelings, the good feelings need to be good or you will never manifest it. And the last thing is, why do I believe I can have it? Because if you don't believe you can have it, you're not going to get it. So the components of finding out what you want and and being sure you're going to be able to ask it in the A of the ABC formula is what do I want, why do I want it, how will I feel when I get it, and what makes me think I can have it. If you can answer those questions positively, then you have begun a huge part of the manifestation process. And it has a second benefit. The uh, manifestation experts, if you talked about the uh, spiritual teachers called Abraham and the physical teachers like uh, Edwin Gaines, and will tell you that if you can focus on what you want for a given period of time, uh, two minutes I think is the minimum, then you have really begun to draw it rapidly from the universe. Well, unless you have something that's taking your make, causing you to concentrate on it, you probably will not be able to hold a single thought for two minutes. So this process allows you to keep thinking in terms of what you want in a very positive and productive manner for two or three minutes at a time. And you can make many of these lists depending on how many things you want. <clears throat> so that's what the life design process is, and it, uh, I have uh, it's appeared actually in another author's book who uses it in teaching her coaching classes, particularly people who are being uh, downsized in a job and want a new one. Why do I want this kind of work? They've found out they either do want to go back to work for another company or they do want to start their own company, or by using life design they're able to define exactly what it is they really want. It's a very powerful process, and um, I can see, just like you're saying, uh, not only will it help people really align, and uh, once we are aligned, our our heart attraction just brings things right. in, you know, at such a rapid rate. Like a magnet, but, but you have to, it, have to put absolutely. the magnet out there for a little while. <laughs> absolutely, no doubt about it. But I can also see the value in... And like you're saying, if you don't get immediately those kind of reasons of why you want it, um, it helps people really see or question, maybe I have been thinking that I want to be in a certain direction when indeed I want. You know, I mean, right. one of some people, and you've known people and in our, in our same circles that think they want to become very well known or famous. But often people will get there and wish they weren't because of all the other things that come with it, you know. Right. Um, right. Or people want to follow the ways of their their mother or their father or whatever, or they think because someone told them that they need to do a certain thing. This would really help them see that uh, that's probably why it isn't manifesting, because deep down at a at a soul level, they don't really want to do it. Right. One woman wrote to me that she, ever since she was a little girl, she wanted to go to Paris. 
And she had Paris all over the place. She had pictures of the Eiffel Tower. She had paintings in Paris. She had all sorts of things. She'd done many things in her life, had all kinds of money, but somehow she had never gone to Paris. She sat down and did a life design and realized she didn't want to go to Paris at all. She wanted to go to Rome. <laughs> but oh, she, she'd been holding Paris since she was 20 years old. So the next year she went to Rome on her vacation and had a wonderful time. Never went to Paris that I know of. But <laughs> so, so we do have in our mind something from long ago that isn't part of our life design, our, our own individual life design anymore. It was so powerful and so so true. Did you tell her Rome wasn't built in a day? (laughs) (laughs) Could have gone long ago. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, you know, that's uh, one thing I I observed about you many years ago, you know, when we met, is that you, uh, like myself, you're really about, like, having fun, and and you're really about that spirituality can be fun. There's people that just want to make the God story and, you know, spirituality is just so serious you know and um it can have just such pleasure to it um but throughout the book you you do put a lot of emphasis on the importance of of having fun is is having fun really important well i think it's what we intended to do you know my my theory of life is that we're out there in the eternal life having a wonderful time and we look down here and see planet earth and it looks just like disney world you know, it's got mountains, it's got oceans, it's got rides, it's got parties, it's got all kinds of fun going on. We want to come down and be a part of it and particularly to enjoy the senses because the ability to see and smell and taste and touch and feel are only ours when we're in the body. So we make this decision to become human beings and we come on intending to have a good time. Now, Right away, life gets serious. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know what the major plan is. I think it's so that we can work our way back to figuring out we're supposed to have a good time. But as a <laughs> tiny child, we're kind of helpless. And you know, depending on where we landed, we either have a good childhood or a bad, good childhood or a bad childhood. Both of the men in this book had really difficult upbringings. Both of the women that they married did not. So you know, you have all kinds of life experiences. But yes, I think it's extremely important to have fun. And, and since you're talking about my spiritual unfolding, the first place I got the idea that life could be, be fun and still have a spiritual component was in the work done by the heart math people. When I was first reading their books, uh, they talked about having fun, and I thought, what are these people talking about? Spirituality is serious stuff. (laughs) But but they convinced me that uh, God has a great sense of humor, that life is really glorious, that it's kind of hard to go out here where we live in paradise uh, uh, to the beach or the clear blue skies or the beautiful flowers or the butterflies or whatever we step out the door into and not realize that there's a lot of joy. And uh, joy is one end of the spectrum of fun. So I wholeheartedly believe that we came here to have fun, and the elf is goes on and on about it in the book. Don't take life so seriously. It's not supposed to be so hard. You're making it hard. It's actually very pleasant. And it, if you have that attitude, uh, it really is. Uh, I think it was uh, Einstein who said life is, uh, you, you either see everything as a miracle or nothing as a miracle. Well, uh, it really is a miracle and it really is fun. 
I love that. And I, I know for my, my own, um, health and, and well-being that when I started really just laughing at myself and learning to laugh at some of the things I do, um, my life totally changed because I find that laughter keeps my heart open. You know, it's so easy to, to go to my head and, start analyzing things or figuring it out or wanting to get in God's way of feeding me food like the cat, you know, um, whereas if I just can laugh it off and, and get tickled at myself, I think it was Marie Osmond that said, we're going to laugh at ourselves at some point anyway. Why not just go ahead and start now? But it has really uh, freed me. And the interesting thing about it that I found um, in the law of attraction and you reference that in, in your book, Go to Elf, as well, is I've come to recognize um, the kind of people I want to be with in my life, especially on a personal level, is I look for a couple of things. The people that sing, and will just sing even though they can't necessarily sing, because I'm one of those people too, but I sing. That's that part of joy, or that part of that uh, wander child and playful spirit. And people that have that deep laugh, because people that have a deep laugh, um, it's a strong indicator that they have been on a quest for quite some time, and that they are um, on a journey. And um, they've gone through some stuff, you know, um, that's the part of the Buddha, right? Uh, to the depth of my tears is the, the depth of my, my joy and my laughter. So I, I love that. I'm so glad that you're promoting that out there in the world. We need more of that, more people laughing, less seriousness. Well, I realize I was gloriously blessed to have been born to two parents who had a good sense of humor. And, and family that did. I mean, there are people who have to learn to laugh. They have to learn to have a good time. They have to learn that life can be amusing because they grow up in a very serious environment. Uh, life was serious in, in the 40s for everybody. We were at war and all kinds of things were going on. But in my household, there was always laughter and fun and joy and, and just plain humor. Uh, seeing things, the funny side of things. And so that allowed me to come into my adulthood with an extra blessing. Well, and you have a husband that has an immense sense of humor, so (laughs) (laughs) we'll just go on record as saying that, that... uh... John definitely has a great sense of humor, and he, too, is an excellent writer. He actually wrote an article um, on your website about Go to Elf, and making a reference of a statement that was made by Bruce Lipton, and for the purpose of our our listeners, I would just like to kind of highlight that a little bit, uh, when he talked about uh, the book and the art of storytelling in which you use, um, John said that Bruce Lipton actually said to him, well, you know, this book is perfect in that it um, exemplifies edutainment. Isn't that a great word? Edutainment. It's a great word. We met Bruce at First Unity, went to see him do a a seminar there, and he was missing a piece of audio equipment, and John brought it in for him the next day, the second day of the seminar, and they got chatting from then on, and then we went out to California to see him out there, and 
went to dinner with him, met his fam, some of his family, and whatever. He was here for the uh, in when the the year the book came out for the uh, I Can Do It conference, Louise Hayes program, uh-huh. and he we met him in the hotel lobby just as he was leaving to go on the plane. And John, as he said, was bragging about Go to Elf, and he had a copy, gave Bruce a copy to read on the plane. Bruce didn't. This is not a commentary on the book. He hadn't read it, but as he leafed through to see that it was in novel form and that it was a teaching book done in story form, he said, this is called edutainment, E-D-U-T-A-I-N-M-E-N-T, part education, part entertainment. And it's very big right now, John. He said it's a really big uh, venue because people are finding out that people learn better when they're being entertained in the process, when they're loose and having a good time and not so serious about it. So that was where that term came up and we're very we were very pleased with it. And we've talked about the book being edutainment as along with other popular uh, books of the same type are out in that venue now. Oh yeah, and on a mass level of Harry Potter, I think JK Rollins yeah. would agree with you right. as well, you know, <laughs> storytelling is just such a well, we still refer to the Bible, don't we? All yes. these many, many years later, because of the richness of the stories and and, and of how the we storyteller was greatest storyteller was Jesus himself, and he used very humble examples like the cat food. He yes. didn't go, he didn't go to the high toned, um, highly educated, uh, professorial type teaching. He taught people right in the depth of what they were feeling. Every parable is about people having experiences right there in front of him. So that's what I tried to do with this book. Certainly, if you're going to go after emulating a teacher, you might as go after the best one there is, and that is to make the examples very humble, like ordering a meal in the restaurant or feeding the cat. We, we don't have to go very far to learn our lessons. They're right in front of us. Right in front of us. Well, one of the things with the the philosophy, the teachings, the things that um, the characters in the book are uh, impacted by, if Tony and Frankie do everything that the elf tells them, will their lives be trouble-free? I mean, no. do they get to a place that it's more easy, breezy, lemon squeezy, or... Are there more no, but what they do, the what they do get there, the, there were three. They said the the ABC is very simple uh, manifestation process, but the three secrets to living a happy life are also very simple, and they are one: remember that you're never alone. So what they do learn is that when they get into trouble, they can go into their internal being and ask the questions properly because now they've learned how to define their question because the elf says, if you don't know what you want, I can't give it to you. You know, you have to be pretty clear about what it is you want, but here's how you find out, and here are the ways you ask. And one of the things that he, he teaches is that we ask in words when we pray, we ask in thoughts when we envision something, but we also ask by our actions. If we're out looking at, and when Tony wants to furnish his office, he spends a whole day looking at equipment, uh, looking at the space, seeing how he's going to have it unfold. He's not talking money. He's talking the finished product. And then the money for it appears unexpectedly because he's been very clear about what it is he wants to manifest, and it comes in the form of dollars to buy it. 
so we we ask all the time whether we know it or not and most of the many times we're asking for what we don't want we're worrying about something enough so that we're saying to the universe we this is going to happen and we okay don't that's that some happen. really powerful stuff and yeah. we're going to let people just take a moment out in nature as we take a break and kind of assimilate what you just said and i want to start back on that right when we come okay. back because there are a lot of people right now in our world that want to hear more about how you just put that and elaborate a little bit and i love this part about the action of how we're walking through life wow that's a that's a big one in the fifth principle of unity no doubt about it so again this is temple hayes and i'd encourage you to go to unitycampus.org to find out more about our community you can actually access wings bookstore which is listed uh in uh the go to elf book as part of uh lauren's writing and we'll be right back to talk more with reverend Lauren McLaughlin of Go to Elf in just a moment. Are you in a state of change, a period of transition? Perhaps you simply don't know which way to turn, or you want guidance on taking that next step in your personal or professional life. You can activate the power of yes with Reverend Beverly Melander. As a new thought minister and next step counselor, she knows how to listen to where you are and help you get to where you want to be. With 20 plus years of experience, she offers spiritual counseling and affirmative prayer next step counseling for your personal or professional life, as well as resume writing and editing. To learn more about Beverly's counseling services, visit beverlymelander.net. That's Beverly, M O L A N D E R.net. Whether you love the Bible or hate it, turn to it daily or refuse to have it in your house, The Bible Alive, Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap is a program designed just for you. Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley presents the Bible as a practical, powerful spiritual roadmap full of wisdom and guidance for the challenges of life today. A roadmap for your spiritual journey. Isn't that just what you're seeking? Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time for The Bible Alive, exploring your spiritual roadmap with Rev. Ed Townley, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. And before break, we were talking about the three secrets of of walking uh, in everyday life as a spiritual being uh, in our human suit. And uh, Reverend Lauren, you were talking about um, how one of those aspects is knowing that we are never alone. And then you started talking about how there's several different ways in which we 
we seek or we draw into call in certain things into our lives. And one way is pray. The other is to envision like our life cycle plans and vision boards and treasure mapping or creative visualization. But then you were talking about actions, and I'd like to just visit that a little bit because that's a big piece that I think a lot of times people are doing unconsciously. Um, and when we heighten our awareness of that, it, it makes a big difference. And so um, give us some more teaching around that idea. Okay. Well, the the three things before we lose that uh, concept is the first one is that you're never alone. The second is that the answer to every question you will ever have is already written on your own heart. In other words, the, the answer is inside of you. It's never outside of you. And the last one is that you came here to have fun, and we've already talked about that one. <laughs> but in, in the uh, you're never alone and going inside for your answers is uh, it's a it's a an art form, really, if you want to manifest exactly the way you want to manifest. What most of us do is a lot of talking. We pray, uh, really not believing we're going to get what we're asking for. You know, if it's convenient, God, if you would just help me pay my light bill, uh, I really would appreciate it. That that wasn't the way Jesus taught us to pray. He said, ask. He didn't say, beg or suggest or uh, hint. <laughs> he said, ask. <laughs> and uh, so that's an important part. We talk all the time. I can't do that because I'm broke. I can't do that because I'm sick. I can't do that because I'm this. And we're always talking and manifesting exactly what we don't want by telling the universe that we've already got what we've already got it. We're already sick. We can't do that. We're all, we've already got our excuse for whatever it is that we can't do. So we have to look at our words. We have to look at the way we think. And we have to look at the way we act. And acting is a big part of it. If you act as if you know that things are going to work out properly, they will. If you act as if there's no way it's going to happen, it won't. It, it's simply, I believe you said, and I can hear you up on the platform saying that a teacher taught you that if, if you do not believe in the law of attraction, it will go out of its way to prove you right. Was that? Am I quoting you correctly? No, there's no doubt about it. I, I say if for those people that say the law isn't working, it is always working for you by not sure. working. There's no doubt about it. That's you right. So, so since we're always going to create, why not create what we want? And why not create sensibly? And uh, my hope is that this book is enough fun, entertaining enough, that people will begin to do it simply because it doesn't look like hard work and it doesn't look like it's not possible. Uh, so much of, you know, they're wonderful writers. I've read them all. I got most of my education from them. They taught me the long, hard way to do it. But I don't think it has to be hard. I think life is much simpler than we make it. I think we did, the steps are really very basic. We were not created to, for this to be a difficult experience. But we go out of our way to make it that way. I agree with you. I, I, I think it's just such a simple process. And this is the time for all of us to just really get that, you know. And I would encourage everyone that now would be the greatest time to order the book because you want to get caught up before the next book comes out because um, it will be. When is it coming out, Lauren? Oh, I haven't written it yet. <laughs> I'm still in. Oh, the, uh, there, there is a new addition to this book that will come out. We're going into our second printing, 
and it will come out in September. And it's going to be a little bit different in that the early readers told me that they uh, they keep it beside their bed. They have it highlighted. One woman said, it's all yellow. I need to buy another copy because I can't find <laughs> out what, what I highlighted and what I didn't. But they they would like a way to be able to look at an index and go to a page and see that they tonight they want to read about the, how, how they worked with gratitude, how they worked with life design, how they worked with with the boxes, the boxes are something you might like to talk about. We box ourselves in with our own thinking. You know, we have a set of rules we're never going to violate, and then life changes and we're still living by those old sets of rules. And so we feel stuck and we can't figure out why we're stuck. And the elf says, break open the box and everything will be fine. And and there are several examples. Excuse me. Examples and stories in the book of places where the characters realized. I'm so sorry that they had boxed themselves into something and that they needed to break open that box. So that's something we all do. And uh, you know, we we definitely do. And um, people that have worked with me here at. Um, First Unity, you know, they they tell jokes about, you know, Reverend Temple always says, you know, just don't even bring any kind of box in here, you know, because life <laughs> is fluid and, and there's always a way. And I, I truly believe that. And the other part of understanding that that I would like to add in just my own quest in my own life is often we think of when we're in a stuck place or you know when something's not working perhaps we're in a box but one of the things I've become aware of um, lately is just even paying more attention to the box around the language that I use you know for example uh, not too long ago I caught myself uh, having a, a just a really tiny martyr moment and I was telling the person I was talking to oh yeah what we need is just a couple more days a week you know because you know my grandmother said that and my mom probably said that and a lot of people say that and um I caught myself and I started laughing and I said you know what this is the last time I'm going to tell anybody that because maybe the next incarnation uh you know I will have even more days than I can count in a week, and I'm not ready to go there yet. I like it the way it is right now. I'm having a good time. So I'm That's not going to hold point. that idea anymore, you know, but I really caught myself. I, I caught myself about, you know, the aging process, not being old because that won't happen, but the aging process and the number and, you know, all that. And it's like, wow, okay, this is turning into a box here, you know, and let's release the box. And uh, because... It's subtle. You know, it can be so subtle. Um, all these things that we say and, you know, things like that. Um, one of the ones I'll share and then enough of that, but, um, we killed two birds with one stone and I went, <laughs> I can't believe I said that. I would never kill a bird. I don't want anybody else to ever kill a bird. You know, I was <laughs> like, how did that come out of my mouth? I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> no, no, no. Scratch, scratch, scratch. I've never said it again. But it was like, you know, sometimes things need to catch up, don't they? Uh, with the they rest do. of us. They do. And, and when, and as far as the aging process is concerned, there's no doubt that by the decades our lives change. These, this is a three series, three-part book and the first book these people are just these two men are just facing their 40th birthday the second book they'll be in their 50s 
the third book in their 60s, dealing with the life experiences that go on in those decades and working with their parents and their own evolutions. However, uh, their concepts, their different concepts of what it means to be old is interesting because I learned long ago that it depends on who was old when you were young. If your grandmother moved in at 50 and became helpless and was the little old lady for 50 years, then you think 50 is old. If she was in the field tilling at 80, then you don't think you're old until you're 80. So it depends on what your childhood role models were, what you consider to be old. And in the book, these characters have different role models, and they realize that they make no sense at all. Well, the thing I've been um, kind of uh, exploring, and I, I would like to get your um, author insight on that, is, you know, the Fillmore's, the founder of Unity, as well as many new thought leaders uh, back in the late 1800s and going into the early 1900s, they double their life expectancy. And with that being said, and that being true, not only, um, you know, truth, but it's fact, um, for what reason do we not say, hey, I'm going for 175? You know, I'm going for 150. You don't ever hear anybody say that. I say that now. And then I laugh with the congregation and say, and if I don't make it, I mean, who's going to really notice? <laughs> you know, but I wonder why that is. What is well, that? I, I think we wonder how cute we'll be. <laughs> I mean, right now we can deal with what we look like and how we move and whatever, but, you know, add another hundred years and that might be something else. I, you know, it's like the four-minute mile. As soon as somebody accomplishes it, and, and uh, many more people are living to be over a hundred now than there were 20 years ago, uh, everybody will be living that long. It's just whatever the concept of the right age to die is. Well, we'll have to go to Elf and ask Elf what um, what the advice would be about that because you want. He'll ask you what you want. <laughs> trust, exactly. trust me, he'll say, "How long do you want to live, Temple?" He'll say, "How long do you want to?" And I'm going to say, yeah. "Well, at least to be 150, if not 200. I want to go for. I want to at least aim high." I, and I've under always... what conditions do you want to live that long? Yeah. Well, you, know, maybe you get if to make I all the choices, high, but you've got to define them. Yes. <laughs> well, so if you're going to say 150, picture what you're going to look like and act like and be doing at 150, what accomplishments you will have made between now and then, which ones you want to make at that time, or else you'll you'll get there and you won't be there in the condition you want to be in. So just be sure you pave your way. Do your life design every day. <laughs> All right. To find out why you want, why do I want to live to be 150? How will I feel when I get there? And uh, what makes me think I can make it? If you can do that, you'll have it down. (laughs) That's a that's a great way to to end our our segment today of thinking about your life design. I really want blank. Why do I really want it? How will I feel when I get it? When I get it, and and what makes me believe I can have it? What makes me believe I can have it? Reverend Lauren McLaughlin, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. I want to remind everyone to go to your website, go to elf.com and order the book and start now. Make a decision today that it's a new beginning for you and the very nature in which that's your decision. That's the way it will be and the very truth of who you are. Thank you, Reverend Lauren. You're welcome, sweetie. See you soon. 
Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. Music Speaks Louder Than Words is an inspiring, informative, and fun hour of uplifting, heartfelt music and commentary that delivers a powerful message of love, joy, and oneness. It will keep you smiling and singing along. Your hosts, Reverends Dale Worley and Christy Snow, are alive with the Spirit of God and singing their love to you. Each Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central Time with Music Speaks Louder Than Words. Music, it's the only thing that the whole world listens to. Music speaks louder than words when you sing. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on this message from Daily Word. Is something in your life causing you concern? Don't be discouraged. The presence of God is peace and harmony, healing and creative ideas, is with you every moment of every day, providing the help you need. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. You are a spiritual being, blessed with all that you need for happiness and fulfillment. God's wisdom will guide you. God's strength will help you do all that you need to do. And God's joy will lighten your heart with hope and courage. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.